Well, folks, here's a program that you like. Yes, it's Panama Today, and this is Bill Wilbur in Gamboa, Panama. Music and inspiration, next 30 minutes. What do you want to be like when you're old? Maybe not what you're going to look like, but what do you want uh, your spiritual development to be at that particular point? Have you thought about that, or are you just kind of going day by day by day? I mean, you have any goals like that? I mean, not just what you want written on your tombstone, but what do you want to have accomplished? What what do you want uh, to be able to even say about yourself? Or others might say, like the word faithful, like he maximized his time. I mean, what do you have goals of wanting certain passages of Scripture memorized? How about a whole book? I knew a church that was having their whole whole congregation memorize the book of Colossians one year. Set goals. Want to be mighty and strong for Jesus. Did you ever hear of Gypsy Smith? I heard about him years ago. I didn't know too much about him. I came across this. I want to share it with you. Audiences never tired of hearing Rodney Smith tell his story. He says, I was born on the 31st of March, 1860, in a gypsy tent, the son of Cornelius Smith. When I got old enough to ask questions about my birth, my mother was dead. But my father told me the place, though not the date. It was only recently that I knew the date. I discovered I was a year younger than I thought myself to be. It was while imprisoned for debts that Cornelius heard the gospel. Later, he took his children to Latimer Road Mission, where as worshipers sang the song, There is a fountain filled with blood. He suddenly fell unconscious to the floor. Soon he jumped up shouting, I am converted. Children, God has made a new man of me. Rodney ran from the church terrified. But at age 16, Rodney attended a Methodist meeting, went forward, prayed for Christ to come into his own heart. Someone nearby whispered, Oh, it's only a gypsy boy. But Rodney, undeterred, acquired a Bible taught himself to read, and began preaching. His efforts came to the attention of General William Booth. Do you know who that is? That's the founder of the Salvation Army in England. And on June 25th, 1877, Rodney attended a Salvation Army meeting. The general recognized him and said, the next speaker will be the Gypsy Boy. This is out of his journal now. He says, trembling, I took my way to the platform, which luckily was only five or six steps up. Then I reached it, took in every limb. Mr. Booth saw I was in a predicament and said, will you sing us a solo? I said, I will try, sir. And that night I sang my first solo at a big public meeting. After his solo, Rodney coughed nervously and said, I'm only a gypsy boy. I do not know what you know about many things, but I do know Jesus. I know that he has saved me. I cannot read as you do. I do not live in a house as you do. I live in a tent, but I've got a great house up yonder, and someday I'm going to live in it. My great desire is to live for Christ. Thus began 70 years of remarkable, world-renowned evangelistic work. Here's a scripture from Philippians 3, 8, and 10. 
Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else and counted all as garbage. All I want is Christ. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. Here's Lifeline. Mr. Smith? Yes, doctor? The test results show that you have three completely blocked arteries. Three? That sounds bad. Actually, it's amazing you're still alive. We need to perform triple bypass surgery as soon as possible. Wow, this is serious. When should you operate? I have a space open tomorrow morning. Tomorrow? Oh, that's not enough time for me to get in shape. Get in shape, Mr. Smith? Yeah. I don't want to have an operation without being in good health. I need to quit smoking. I don't think you have the time. And drinking. I need to stop drinking. Mr. Smith, you need major surgery. Yeah, I know, but I want to be in good health first. And a haircut. I need to get a haircut. Why would anyone wait until they were in good health before they had life-saving surgery? Many people have this same attitude about going to God. They feel they need to clean up their life first. The problem is, we all have a life-threatening disease called sin, and the only cure is Jesus. Are you trying to be good when you need to turn to Jesus? I want to take you to just one verse, Acts 13. Acts 13, verse 36. For when David, that's King David, had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one God whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. And of course, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation. I just want you to think about that for a minute. He was a mighty man wrote so many of the Psalms, did so much in unifying Israel. Of course, you know, he killed Goliath. A person had the anointing of God was upon him, the Holy Spirit, to accomplish the things that God wanted him to accomplish in his generation. He's not around here in the 20th century. He wasn't in the 19th or the 18th. He wasn't here uh, 500 years ago. He wasn't around to help during the Second World War. He's not around now. But he was there for his generation at that particular time. I wonder if you've thought at all why you were born when you were born. Why you were born when you were born and where you were born. I was challenged with this when I was a senior in college and I was at a Christian camp for college students run by InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. We were on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, Cedar Campus. And while we were there, the speaker, he just made the comment, why were you given the opportunities you were given? Why were you given the uh, academic abilities that you were given? Well, I suddenly thought, wow, I was able to go to college. Wow, I was able to get halfway decent grades. I knew there were some people who didn't do as well. I knew there were some people who did not have the finances to go or even the desire to go. And suddenly I was faced with the fact that this was given to me. This was a gift. This was something that God equipped me with, endowed me with. And it made a difference because the following line is, what will you do with what God has given you? Because that's what we're going to be held accountable for. What have we done with what we were given? And that, of course, the parables of the stewards and the tenants uh, and um, the talents and the promise that God rewards those who diligently seek him 
and who are using the opportunities that he's given to them. And suddenly I am uh, freshly aware of the fact that I am in a generation that God has called me to be in, and I have the opportunity to also challenge others to live in the generation that they are in. I have mentioned the International House of Prayer many times. You go to IHOP.org. If you go to IHOP.com, you'll end up with pancakes. But this way, you can go and see what's happening at the International House of Prayer. And if you will take a moment, it will suddenly make you aware that just about everybody you're seeing is probably under 30 years old and younger, down in their teens when they have different conferences. What is this with this generation, which we have many people have given up on, and suddenly we see a resurgence, a, a revival, a moving among the youth, something that had been prophesied for several years, and people probably had said, what, all these drug heads, <laughs> all these people who are high, they're going to make a difference for their generation? Well, they are making a difference. They're coming to Christ in great numbers. There are people who are saying, I want to live for Jesus. I want to be pure. I want to be abstinent. I want to be a person who seeks God's will and plan for my life, for my generation. Many of them have given hours and weeks and months for prayer and fasting, seeking God's will and direction, not only for their lives, but for their generation, desiring to see a turnaround, especially in the United States, a turnaround from the uh, uh, horrible things going on on the campuses, the liberal teaching, the, all the new age stuff, all the uh, sexual um, deviations that are going on, and it's out there all over the place. It's in the news media. It's just in all forms of the entertainment industry, and it's not even questioned anymore. And the youth are rising up and saying, we need revival. We need a renewal. We need a God intervention, because without a God intervention, we there's no turnaround. Don't look to the government to turn it around. Don't look to a vote to do it. It has to come from the hearts of people who desire to have God bring revival. And not just talk about it and say, well, wouldn't it be nice to have revival? But rather they're doing something concrete about it. I challenge you listeners today. I don't know how many young people under 30 are listening. But I just want to challenge you in the sense of what are you doing in your generation? Where are you going with what you've been given? You might say, well, I haven't been given much. You've been given much more than many people in the world have. And you have the religious freedom and you have the spiritual freedom. You're not going to be lined up and shot for telling somebody about Jesus or sharing a gospel with someone. I share this challenge with you called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. I am a part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living. Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right 
first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, loved by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. Hesitate in the presence of adversity. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. Ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go on until he comes. Give until I drop, preach until all I know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, presented first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Romans 1, 16.